I was driving the other day behind a Subaru with loads of bumper stickers, shocking, I know. And uh, the bumper sticker on the back of their car said this. It said, my life is better than your vacation. And I was like, oh, you sassy, Subaru. You're so sassy. I mean, like, you know, they're just so smug, right? They're like, oh, I'm a four-wheel drive and I'm fuel efficient. And you're like, oh, get out of here, you smug car. But as I thought about it, as I thought about this bumper sticker, it stuck with me the rest of the day. And I thought about it, and I was like, my goodness, like, I hope that that is the kind of life, that is an envious, an enviable kind of life, a life that is better than vacation, a life that is um, to the full, that is full of joy, that is better than your weekends, that is better than your vacations. That would be the kind of life I think that every single person in here would want. The funny thing is, is that Jesus said that this is the kind of life that he came to give. In John 10.10, 10, he said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. St. Arrhenius puts it this way. He says, the glory of God is a man fully alive. That God receives glory when we are fully, completely um, full of his life and his joy and his ambition and his confidence. That God receives glory 
when we are fully alive. And so I want to ask you tonight, do you feel alive tonight? Do you like your life? Not do you like your weekends. Not do you like your vacation. Do you like your life? Does your day-to-day beat your getaway? Because we are going to talk about making our lives the life that God promised us he would give. We are going to take hold of the life that Jesus promised he would give starting tonight. Because there is a life that Jesus died for and that Jesus raised to give you, to bestow to you. This is a life that he wants you to have. Problem is, though, is that we have an enemy that is hell-bent on stealing it from you. Has anybody ever had something stolen from them before? Anybody? I have in middle school, <laughs> right? Like I was kind of a nerd in middle school and every morning my mom would pack me a lunch and you know, she'd put it in my little brown bag and I'd like go to school, right? And I was just like, just don't bump into anybody and just get your locker into your class, right? Like I was just terrified of everyone. And so, and so I'd roll into the lunchroom and I would just try to be inconspicuous and sit down and eat my lunch by myself. But every single day I would sit down and this girl named Danielle Liberato, and I'm using her full name so that she can come apologize to me at some point in my life. <laughs> she would roll up with like her like heathen set of girlfriends, right? And, and they would be like, oh, hey, what you got there? And I'd be like, um, it's my lunch, right? And they'd be like, oh, it looks really good. And I'd be like, it is. <laughs> and then they would take my lunch. And they did this every single day. Every single day, my sweet, dear, kind mother would meticulously pack a Sammy on a hoagie bun with really good mustard and like a snack pack and like, like vegetables so that the, we got the food pyramid thing going on, right? And like I would roll to school with a lunch that was made for me and someone else would eat it. And listen to me. There is a life that Jesus came to give every single believer in here. He came and he died and he rose again to bestow on us a life that is full of joy, that is full of hope, that is full of ambition, that is full of confidence, that is full of peace, that is full of victory, even in difficult circumstances. And there is a thief trying to take that life from you. The Bible says this, Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly tell you, I I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me, they are thieves and they are robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and they will find pasture. They will find wide open spaces of life and living. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. This is what Jesus died for. This is what the thief is hoping to take from you. And tonight, what I want to talk about for the next half an hour is I want to talk about trash-talking the thief. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about to get trashy in here. (laughs) It's about to get, like, trailer park. It's about to get, like, pull your eyelashes off, your earrings out, trashy in here with what we are going to do in the next half an hour. There is a life that belongs to every single one of us. And tonight, we're going to talk to the devil about it. And so let's bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for every single person that is in here. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, that it is alive and moving and well, God. I pray that, um, that I would do your word justice tonight. And I set myself aside. 
I pray that you would prevail in every single person's heart. We give you glory. We give you praise. You're the name above every name, Jesus. We love you in your name. Amen. So um, how many of you are good trash talkers? You're good at trash talking? Yes, 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 even if you don't have anything to back it up with, right? I'm a terrible trash talker, y'all. Um, Connor is super good at it. Doug is, they are quick-witted, right? And um, sometimes I'm like, oh, ow, it's like mean-spirited. But I'm like, you know, and then I try to get them back, and I'm like, your shoes are stupid. <laughs> you don't like yellow laces, right? Like, it's just like, it's like, oh, man, who cut your hair? Sports clips? <laughs> like, I just don't even, like, I just... Like, I just, I just can't, right? Like, I just can't. And so, so but I have, I have a lot of respect for people who are really, really good trash talkers. Like, like, especially if it's an athlete who can back it up, right? Like, if you have game and then, and, then, and then you have, like, a little bit of swagger and some talk in order to back up your game, like, I think it almost takes your game to another level. Now, if you have no game, like, the trash talking is not going to help you, but it's kind of fun to watch, you know? So, um, but I love it. I really do think that it brings an athlete or a person a little bit of swagger. It gives them a little bit of an edge. It gives them a little bit of power. And so Doug helped me put together a video tonight. Please check out some of the best trash talking as of late. Richard Sherman, he plays uh, for Seattle, and the man, I mean, all, I know, oh, it's fine. I feel like if he was on our team, though, we would love him. We just don't like him, because it's fine. You can boo, let's do it all together, boo. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> we love you, Richard. I hope you're a Christian. All right, let's go. So, 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 so here's the thing, though, is he was being interviewed, and it's like, Richard, why do you talk so much? Like, all you do is talk, like, you just talk, 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 and he was like, oh, dude, and he's like, I love to get in people's heads. Now, listen. 
Now listen, there is an enemy who loves to get into your head. And he came to steal from you. And the way that he steals from you is by getting into your head. Because listen, there are things that he cannot take from you. He cannot take your salvation. The Bible says this about our salvation in John 10. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. Salvation is sealed in Jesus. If you have received him as your Lord and Savior, Satan can have nothing to do with that. You are forever, eternally redeemed. He cannot snatch you out of Jesus' hand. Amen? Amen? He cannot uh, touch your calling. He cannot touch uh, your giftings. The Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine that the giftings and the callings of God are irrevocable. And so because, uh, because Satan cannot touch these things, because he can only meddle with us in certain ways, the way that he steals from us is not by like, you know, actually stealing from us, but by getting into our heads and he steals to us or, or steals from us by lying. Every utterance that is out of Satan's mouth is a lie. And for those of you in here tonight who don't believe in the devil, let me just say that it is actually um, a problem for you if you do not believe in the devil. He is very real. You do not need to be afraid of him, but you need to respect the fact that he's been around a lot longer than you and he knows the game a little bit better. He is not more powerful than you. He is not equal with God. He is more equal with the archangel Michael. He is a fallen angel. He is not more powerful than God. But he is way, 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 way better at lying than sometimes we are at trash-talking him back. And so the devil is very real. And every utterance out of his mouth is a lie. For every promise that Jesus has bestowed to us and has given us by his death and resurrection, Satan has a lie to meet it and to make you think that that promise is not true. Satan cannot create. He is incapable of creating. And so the only thing he can do is twist creation or lie about what was created. That is all he is capable of doing. And yet this is how he steals from us. The Bible says uh, this about him. In John 8, he it was a murderer from the beginning. This is Jesus talking. Not holding to the truth, for there was no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He might be the best trash talker you have ever met. And in Revelations, it says that he has come to deceive every single person, meaning that he is not a respecter of persons. He's not picking out the powerful people or the weak people. He is coming after everyone in order to deceive them. Case in point, one of the people in the Bible he goes after in order to deceive is Jesus himself. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to hang out there for just a little bit tonight. It says this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Do you guys have Bibles? We got Bibles. If you don't got a Bible, we got a free Bible. I steal like four a year. It's fine. <laughs> this one is mine. I took it from somebody. I'm kidding. It's mine. Um, it says this. Then Jesus, then Jesus, then, that word then, everybody say then. Then, then is a uh, word to connotate that just before that something happened. Just moments before this, something took place. And immediately afterwards, this thing happened. And what you need to understand is, is that right before this, Jesus is getting baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. The heavens open up. This is a miracle. 
Father um, God looks down on Jesus and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He is set apart. And listen to me. This is Jesus' moment where he is getting into his starting blocks for ministry. And it is his commissioning moment. And it is his beginning moment. It is a moment for Jesus. The Holy Spirit descends on him. And the father is like, okay, son, now go. Go save my people. This is his moment. And it says, then meaning right after this took place. It says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, uh, turn these stones. Uh, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their heads, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put your love Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms and the world and all of their glory. And he said to him, all of these I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. Then Jesus said, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall not worship the Lord your God, or you shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him or fled from him. And behold, the angels came and ministered to him. And so the devil begins by trash-talking Jesus. He begins by trying to get in his head. He begins by trying to deceive Jesus. And the way that he does this is the same way that he does it 2,000 years later with you and with me. And we are not ignorant to the devil's schemes. At least we won't be after tonight. And so there are a couple of things that we need to know that he is out to steal from us. And the first thing is this, he is out to steal your identity. He is out to steal your identity. It says this in Matthew 4, 3, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, tell these stones. Satan knows exactly who Jesus is because moments before the heavens opened up and he is perfectly aware of everything that happens in the spiritual realms, the heavens opened up and the father spoke, this is my son in whom I'm all pleased. Now go son, like save my kids, right? And Satan knows exactly who Jesus is, but he's trying to get him to doubt or trying to play with his head about the security of who he is. Satan knows exactly who he is. Richard Sherman, whenever he talks to someone, when he's talking to Michael Crabtree and he's trying to get in his head and he says, you're weak. Did you eat your Wheaties? This is a man's game. Are you just a boy? Like when he's trying to get into his head, he is not going to change the identity of Crabtree. He's not going to change um, the fact that he's, you know, 280 or 300 pounds and 5% you know, body fat and just this like brick house that's running at you. Like he is not going to change any of that. It's impossible. But he is going to make uh, he is going to make Crabtree doubt the identity that he already has. He cannot change who he is. He is. He cannot change his identity. But he will make him doubt the identity that he has been given. And this is the playbook for you and for me when it comes to Satan. See, he will come to us and he will say, "You call, you know you call that a work ethic? <laughs> oh my goodness! You think you have a gift? It's a joke. You're a complete joke." You call yourself a Christian? If you were a Christian, you would do this. Who do you think you are? <laughs> You've got to be kidding. 
And he comes in very slyly, and he makes us question the very identity that Jesus came to give us. The second thing he wants us to do is he wants us to self-sabotage. He wants us to self-sabotage. He says this, uh, if you are the son of God, this is the devil speaking, he said, then throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The way I read this, or the way I understand this, is that the enemy is trying to get Jesus to hurl himself off of the temple. He is trying to get him to self-destruct. He can't push him off the temple. This is not allowed. And so he's trying to get him to self-sabotage, to self-destruct, to do it himself. The temple itself would have been, the pinnacle of it would have been 150 feet off the ground. It would have been 450 feet from there to the bottom of the valley. He is hoping that Jesus will self-destruct. And listen to me, there are millions of people in here and outside of here. And you are gifted and you have been given the life of Christ. And you have been given the mind of Christ. And you have been given the identity of Christ. And there is nothing holding you back from ministering, fulfilling your call. And absolutely uh, living out the God-given life that he has for you. Except for the fact that the devil is trying to get into your head so that you will self-sabotage. A few years ago, there was a man who I got to a privilege of working with, and he was one of the most fantastic ministers. He was so good with people. He was so attractive to people. He would attract people to Jesus like that. He was just charming and kind and funny and really good with the word of God. And he was just getting started in ministry and starting to um, just, you know, really do some damage for the kingdom. And then he got lost into um, a different type of addiction. And I remembered watching this, and the Bible says, listen to me, if this is you in here and you are caught in addiction right now, you need, I need to speak some truth over you. Listen, the, the years that have been lost, the Bible says that you can gain them back again in Christ. And I believe that for this man, but listen to me. I watched him self-sabotage with all of the gifts and with all of the talents that um, I knew God had given him. And it wasn't the devil that made him do it. He just put the idea there. And we think about our favorite Bible characters, people like Samson. I mean, you like DC Comics or you like Marvel. Like, this is the original superhero, y'all. Like, superhuman strength. He would fight God's battles and he would win every single time. Like, this dude was a brute. And then he looks at a girl, falls in love with her. And listen, she is more immoral. Like, she is a snake dressed up in a dress. Like, she's just icky. I said icky. That girl is poison, you know, like, like that. All right, it's fine. It's fine. You didn't get it. It's fine. You're like, that's my girlfriend. It's fine. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, dump her. Okay. You want to keep going? All right. So, but no, but really, he is talented. He is gifted. He has been given a calling by God. And he self-sabotages so that he not only loses his strength, he loses his sight, and he eventually loses his life. Peter. Peter decides to deny Jesus. He's tempted to deny him, and then he denies him, and he says, well, this is it. No good. He's so filled with shame. He's so filled with self-doubt that he goes and sabotages his calling that he already knew was there. Jesus said, you are going to build my church, Peter. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go fish. Like, <laughs> like self-sabotaging. And he's there until Jesus finds him on the beach, and he's like, don't you know who you are? Do you love me, Peter? Okay then feed my sheep, build 
my church. Have you forgotten who you are, Peter? Don't self-sabotage. David, the patriarch, one of the patriarchs of our faith, arguably the greatest king to have ever ruled in Israel, was at the pinnacle and the peak of his leadership and his calling when he looked at Bathsheba and made a decision. He is hoping, church, that we will self-sabotage. He will put an idea when you go home tonight. He will put a thought in your head on the way to church. He is hoping that you will self-sabotage. He was trying to do it with Jesus. He will try to do it with us. If you are filled with self-doubt, if you are unsure about the promises of God, if you are filled with anxiety tonight, please know that the devil is hoping that you will take all of those problems, not to Jesus, but to a place where you self-sabotage. He wants to steal your focus. All of this I will give to you, Satan said, if you bow down and you worship me. He's hoping that Jesus will take his eyes off of the Father, whom he said, I only do what the Father tells me. I only live out the life that the Father tells me. He's hoping that he will lose his focus and put it on something completely different. Have you lost focus tonight? Maybe for you, you are so plagued by worries. That's where your focus is. You've got insecurities after insecurities after insecurities. That's where your focus is. All you think about is money and how you don't have it. Jesus said he would provide for you, but you don't want to listen to that. You want to figure it out yourself. You have lost focus. Maybe tonight he is trying to steal something from you, but let me tell you this, there is good news. Because even though uh, he has come to steal, kill, and destroy, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. This is good news. Now listen to me. What John 10 says is says uh, that you and I, we actually do not listen to Satan. If you are in here tonight and you are in Christ, listen to this. It says that we won't heed a stranger's voice. Go ahead and put that verse up, John 10. It says uh, that his sheep will not listen. It's fine. I'll go back here. <clears throat> a stranger they simply will not follow, but they will flee from him because they know, uh, do not know the voice of strangers. This should come as a comfort to us. That you and I, we know the voice of God so well that we are kind of naturally inclined to like hear him and follow him. And that the moment we hear something funky or something off or something strange, the Bible says we flee from him. But listen, tonight what I think God wants us to do is he wants us to go one step further and not just flee from Satan. But it says this in James 4 that according to the Bible, because we have the Holy Spirit in us, it says that you will no longer, when darkness comes, you won't just run from it. But it says resist the devil resist the devil if there if like if a big dude was here like my husband if I if I just push hard enough I'm little but if I just push hard enough and long enough resist the devil and he will run away from you he will flee from you and so tonight is about trash talking the devil the Bible says that we have the armor of God, that we have the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. We are fitted with the readiness of the gospel, that we have the shield of faith to extinguish the, the darts of the enemy. And then there is only one thing that we are given that is an offensive weapon. Do you understand that? There is only, everything else is defensive and it's there. It's at your disposal. It's given to you by Jesus. Um, but there is only one thing that we are given that is an offensive weapon. And it's what? It is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Listen to me tonight. If you are in here and you have not used your words yet with the devil, you're about to learn how to. But secondly, it is important. There will be battles in your life that you cannot win 
unless you begin to use the word and you use your words. You have to use your mouth. You have to talk back. He is doing all the talking, folks, in America in 2017. He is telling people who they are. He is telling people who they aren't. He is telling people what they can do. He is telling people what they can't do. It is time that the church start talking back, and we need to use the words using our words. The Bible says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by what? The word of our testimony. How many of you are ready to use your words to talk back to him tonight. It is time that we start talking trash back. I don't know about you, but I am ready to. And there are a couple of things that I think uh, the staff helped me come up with this week. And thank you. Uh, I work with some of my best friends, and it's just a joy um, to get to form a sermon with them. And so thank you, you guys, for helping me this week. But the first thing that we need to trash talk is this. I'm going to give you three things, and you can go home. You can commit them to your heart, and you can begin to implement them tonight. And the first thing is this. I am in Christ, and I am enough. I am in Christ, and I am enough. The enemy's first trick is uh, to steal your security about your God-given identity. It's what he did with Jesus. It's what he's going to do with you. He came to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, it's not enough for you to be called the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And he comes in our world and in our business, he says, oh, it's not enough for you to go to church. Dude, you've got to get a promotion. Then you'll be enough. It's not enough for you to, you know, be godly and be waiting, you know. You need, to, you need to be getting out there. You need to be making more money. That's what you need to be doing. You are not enough. You think that's what a Christian does? Does you need to do more in order to be enough? And then he'll start getting more specific with whatever you are already insecure about. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not young enough. You're not talented enough. You don't have uh, the right upbringing. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not, you know, holy enough. You're not Christian enough. You haven't been religious enough for long enough. Like, he will get in your head and he will do some damage to your security. Because listen to me, if he can make you feel insecure, it's game over. It's game over. Because God is hoping the identity is the same. The identity has never changed for you or for me. It is exactly the same. It has been given to us by Jesus. All we need to do, though, is be secure in who we are. We are in Christ and we are enough. And whose we are. We are a son or a daughter of the living king, the one true God. He is hoping, though, to steal not your identity because he can't. It's not identity theft. He can't do that. Your security about your identity. That is what he is hoping to do. If he can steal your security, he can steal your strength. And that's what he's after anyway. Do you remember the last time that you talked back? I do. I was 15. And my mom was like, empty the dishwasher. And I was like, no. And she was like, um, empty the dishwasher. And I was like, fine. Right? So on the way over, on the way over, I start, like, talking some trash to my mom. I swear to you, I do not remember what I said, but I bet you she does. Like, I'm like, I'm like, dressing 90s clothes, right? Like, I don't know. And so, and so I pick up a plate, and I turn around, and my mom's like, bam! <laughs> she slapped my face. That's a true story. When you slap your mom or when you backtalk your mom, you get slapped. That's what happens. When you backtalk the devil, he flees from you. You need to understand that tonight. You need to understand that tonight. When you talk back to the devil, 
he flees from you. It was Red Conference, and this was a couple years ago, and Carl Lenz got it. If you were here, Carl Lenz got up here, and he, like, smashed it, right? He absolutely destroyed it. Everybody got, like, resaved. It was incredible. <laughs> Good for you, Carl. So I go home that night, and, um, and I'm praying, and all the, all, like, the whole way home, just like, oh, are you, like, eloquent enough? Do you have words enough? Do you have the spirit enough? Are you good enough? Are you boy enough? Are you enough? The whole way home. I get home, and I'm like, and I, like, high-five my husband, and I'm like, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. And then I'm like, <laughs> And I cry, and I remember talking to the Lord, and I'm just like, Lord, how do I preach after this, dude? How do I, how do I even do this after this? Like, what am I supposed to do? How do I? And I literally said this to the heavens. I go, God, I cannot preach like Carl Lentz. And immediately, I swear, this is exactly what he said to me. He said, yeah, Carl Lentz can't preach like you. He said that. So you can think I'm big-headed or I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> and immediately I, I, I rose up because it was my father talking to me. I was like, I know who I am. I know who I am, and I do damage. And the world has not even seen yet the Holy Spirit that is about to be unleashed in this church. He, he does not even know what is about to happen. And I know who I am. I am in Christ, and I am enough. I know who I am. I am in Christ, and I am enough. You need to begin saying this. You need to begin trash-talking him. I am in Christ, and I am enough. I'm in Christ. I'm enough. I'm in Christ. I'm enough. I'm in Christ. I'm enough. Like, you need to have this on repeat Anytime he comes in and he says, you are not enough. You need to say, you know what? I'm a child of the one true king. I am seated at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus. I rule and I reign over every circumstance, no matter how difficult it is. I am not just a conqueror in my circumstances. I am more than a conqueror. I am not the tail, I'm the head. You don't know who I am. I'm in Christ and I'm enough. And then because of who you are, and then because of who you are, you need to say, this is what I can do. This is what I can do because of who I belong to. This is what I can do. Some of you have been saying for so long, I can't, I can't, I can't. I cannot stop looking at this stuff. You are right because you're agreeing with the devil. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't even begin to make headway in my calling. You're right. You're agreeing with him. You need to break that agreement, by the way. You need to begin saying, because I'm in Christ, I can, I can, I can. I'm not smart enough to pass this class. I can't do it. You're right. But if you begin saying, I can, I can, Jesus, by, by you, I can't, God, but in you, I can. I can't, but in you, I can. I can. Listen to me. I can flip a city for Jesus. I can flip a college campus for Jesus. I can begin a movement. I can start a revival. I can see him move the kingdom here from a young adult community out into another community. And even further than that, I can do it. I am full of Christ. I am full of the life of Christ. Listen to me. I am full of everything that he has. I am full of life and godliness. I have everything that I need. I have everything that I need, devil. I am full of Jesus. You are just full of lies. I'm in Christ and I am enough. The second thing you need to say to him is, I'm a threat. You're just a thief. I'm a threat. You are just a thief. I am a threat to you, devil. You are just a thief. Have you ever wondered? This is probably the most aggressive time that Satan comes at Jesus. I mean, he comes at him with like everything he's got, like 
full arsenal. After that, it's like little demons like, oh no, Jesus, cast us in the pigs, right? Like, <laughs> ah, you know. This moment, he's like, I'm coming for you. And then after that, he's like, oh, you know. And I remember reading this and being like, why, like, why now? Why, why now? Why here? Why now? And then it dawned on me. Jesus is in the starting blocks for his ministry. He has waited 30 years for this moment. 30 years for this moment. And he is in the threshold of what is to come. And listen to me. The devil saw exactly what was happening in the Jordan River. And he was threatened by it. And so he wanted to squash what was at, whatever was happening in Jesus before it even got started. He wanted to end it before it even began. He wanted to absolutely demolish Jesus before he took off in the ministry that he was destined to have. Jesus is a threat to Satan. You need to understand that tonight. He is so threatening to Satan. You just say his name. He is not equal with Jesus. I'll say it again. He is lower than Jesus. He's like an archangel that has fallen. He's not on the same power level. He's not on the same pay grade. Jesus is a threat to Satan. And listen to me. So are you if you are in Christ. A few uh, weeks ago, I was in New Orleans, and I was preaching to a young adult ministry kind of like this. And they did ministry time because it was kind of agey, and they're like, come to the front. And everybody's like, you know, crying in the front. And um, it was awesome. And people are praying. they got prayer teams up front, and they're all praying, right? And um, this girl comes up front, and she's just sobbing. And I can tell, like, the girlfriend is in a storm. Like, she is in it. And I was like, how can I pray for you? And she just said, I am having nightmares. They are horrific. They are vivid, and I'm scared. I don't even want to go to bed at night. And I was like, well, tell me more. Tell me more about your life. Tell me more. I just, just tell me more. And she said, well, I got saved, like, three weeks ago. And then I felt God calling me. Um, I felt God calling me to renounce my homosexual lifestyle. She said, so I did. I broke up with my girlfriend. And I felt him call me to ministry. And so I've, I've been researching schools. And, and she's like, and then I just started having these nightmares, Jess. And I looked at her and I said, oh. I mean, I almost like laughed, but I didn't because that would have been rude. Um, because he's so typical. I looked at her and I was like, girlfriend, do you know why he's messing with you? Do you know why the devil is in your head? You are so threatening to him. He is absolutely terrified of you. He has been sowing lies for the last five years that you are doing damage to, even as you talk to me right now. He is horrified of you. So the best he can do is give you nightmares. That should give you confidence, Alicia. That should give you confidence that you are a threat and he's just a thief. He is a pocket person that picks your pocket. <laughs> I said to her, I said, Alicia, your breakthrough in ministry, girlfriend, if it's anything like Jesus's, it's literally just around the corner. You just need to trash talk a little bit. And there are people in here tonight with the same story. Same story. You feel pressed. You feel hard pressed. You think it's about 
something else. You feel um, maybe downcast. You feel discouraged, like hopelessness is knocking on your door. Listen to me tonight. I came here to tell you that God wants you to know that you are literally just a few trash-talking words away from the biggest season of your calling and of your life. It's literally just around the corner. You just need to talk back to him. Jesus, after this, had three years of incalculable ministry. Healing people, healing the blind, raising the dead. <laughs> preaching and preaching, setting people free. Good news, good news, good news. And then he got up on a cross and he crushed Satan. Crushed him. If you are feeling hard-pressed, it is because you are threatening. It is not because if he is talking to you tonight and he's saying, you're a loser. God doesn't want anything to do with you. God could never use you. You know what? That, none of that's true. <laughs> it's just not. It's, it's impossible. It's actually impossible to be true. You know what is true? He's trying to get in your head because he's so scared of you. I'm a threat. That's what you need to say. I'm a threat. You're just a thief. I'm a threat. You're a thief. And the last thing is this. And Ben, you guys can come back up. My eternity is set. Yours is a sentence. And listen, um, I've been following this story on the news. And a few years ago, it was honestly like a couple years ago, um, this dad uh, he ended up, it was, you know, and I'm trying not to be too graphic, but he was a dad who took his son and essentially ended the life of his son on purpose. He, he uh, did it intentionally. And I was so horrified because I just had a baby. And the story kind of got buried in the news, you know, because we're always just a, you know, eight-second attention span generation. And so it got buried in the news. But I followed this story because I wanted to know what happened to this man because in my heart I knew that he was guilty and I wanted to see justice. I wanted to see justice for his two-year-old son. I wanted to see him pay for what he had done. And I followed the story. I followed the story. About a week ago, I'm, I'm on my uh, Twitter account and I'm like, oh, babe. It's kind of like a terrible thing to be excited about. But I'm like, babe, guess what? He got convicted, right? And John was like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. I'm neurotic. So, but I was so, I was so excited. There was something in me, and I think there's something in all of us that when something evil and when something hateful and when something horrible, when justice is served to them appropriately and they end up going to jail. Something in us is like, amen, I'm going to live the rest of my life free with my babies in a world that is without you and you have to spend the rest of your life, sir, in jail for what you did. And listen to me. The Bible says this about the devil. And the devil who had deceived them, meaning God's kids, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, into which the beast and the false prophet had already been thrown. They, um, there they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. If you don't understand uh, the full scope of the full story tonight, you need to understand that uh, Satan's just in appeals court right now. <laughs> the sentence has already been handed down. He knows exactly where he's going. And this was Doug's trash-talking moment. He's like, this is what I tell the devil. I said, devil... I am one day closer to heaven, and you are one day closer to hell. My eternity is set, and your sentence is secure. 
And it is the ultimate trash talk because what you are doing is bringing to light yet again that he is defeated and everything that Jesus has accomplished for you and in you and through you. He came to give you life and life abundancy. Amen. If everybody could stand. Tonight there are people in here and you are feeling darkness, you are feeling sadness. And listen to me, some of you in here, the Bible says that in this world we will have trouble. Some of you in here are facing deep trouble, loss, hardship that I will not pretend to know. But listen to me tonight. I am so secure about the fact that every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus, meaning this, that every promise he has ever given you, it may not be revealed tonight, but it will be revealed in Christ Jesus in heaven. That every single thing he has ever said to you, you will receive. He's not a liar. God is not a liar. That's somebody else. Everything he says about you is true. If he says you're free, it's true. If he says you're a daughter, it's true. If he says he came to, you know, lift you out of the depths, that's true. Anything other than that is this devil trying to get in your head. And it is time for the church to talk back. And so tonight, there's just a couple of things I want you to say during worship. I want you to say, I am in Christ and I'm enough. You are a thief and I'm a threat to you. And my eternity is set. I get to live forever where there is no pain, there is no hurting, there is no um, tears. Where the light of heaven is the lamb and he shines over everything and every space. And so with every eye closed, I just have one question tonight. If you are in here and you do not know the Jesus that I'm talking about, I would love to invite you to know him. He came to fight for you. He came to die for you. And just you, if it would have been just you, he would have done it. He got up on a cross on Calvary, and on that moment he bore every sin that you ever did and every sin that you ever will do. And when he died, he paid for every single one of them so that you would be found perfect to God. When he rose again, in that moment, this is where the story gets real cray. In that moment, he gave you his life, which is nuts, folks. He didn't just die for your sins. He came to give you John 10, 10, a life that's better than vacation. And so if you are in here tonight and you do not know the Jesus that died and rose again for you to give you heaven forever, but more importantly, his Holy Spirit in the here and now, and you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the very first time, would you just raise your hand nice and high, nice and high in here, nice and high, amen, 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 amen. I love you already. I'm going to pray, and if we could... Uh, if we could all just pray this prayer with those sweet people that raise their hands. Um, we just say, Lord, thank you for dying for my sins. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that in you and through you I have your life. And God, please help me tonight to trash talk the devil anytime he's in my business. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen.